Welcome to The Travelling Senorita. This is episode 74 and I am super excited. I know I've done a lot of podcasts over in the northern New South Wales region because that's where I have been grounded, a really nice place to be grounded between Byron Bay and Brisbane. We've been doing a lot of stories, um, I think about 25 of them actually. And today I've um, managed to get myself on a plane and head over to South Australia, one of my favourite states in Australia. A lot of people on the East Coast always go, oh, you know, but Adelaide's so boring. And I'm like, that's okay. We're going to keep it at that because I know it is the birthplace of food and wine and um, op shops and churches. It's way more than the city of churches. There is literally, it's the home of food and wine for me. Growing up in uh, Melbourne, we used to drive across to South Australia just to be tempted by their vineyards and their food. So I pay homage to South Australia as a state that is very much about developing their own businesses and growing their own. And I was lucky enough to come here for Taste of Australia, I think about three years ago uh, when ATE Australian Tourism Exchange was on, back when tourism was alive and kicking. And I got to meet a wonderful chef at the time who, as a woman, definitely inspired me. And um, second to that, her food was just so wholesome and honest. And I think that's what we really need to think about when we think about food, the sustainability of it, and also like busting out the pretense of it. So I really liked um, what Bethany Finn, the executive chef of the Mayfair Hotel group was doing at the time. So I dug a little deeper with her and always said to her, I will come back and do a podcast with you. And three years later, I have found myself here today in a beautiful hotel called Hotel Indigo, which has only been open for a week. Um, I'm taste testing it as we speak. It is super funky right near the Adelaide markets. It's got a real kind of like, it's got a little bit of a um, QT, QT, QT sort of feel about it, but it's um, got its own flavour. Definitely very Adelaidean. I'd imagine this brand Hotel Indigo by the IHG group. They um, Obviously, when they land in a city, they have a look at what's around because right now I'm looking at posters of the Adelaide Festival. There's WOMAD posters everywhere. And it just is really colourful, pink, gorgeous and welcoming. And um, yeah, just wanted to shout out there to the Hotel Indigo, literally opened a week ago. So feeling very blessed to be here. But more importantly today, I am with Bethany Finn, who is an executive chef, but she's also known as Beth. She's a really cool chick. Hello, Beth. Hi, Kylie. Now, I've got a loud voice, which I say every time. So you just have to talk into there. And I want to know where you grew up and how you started as a little girl. Oh, okay. Um, A bit unusual, but I actually grew up in Alice Springs, Darwin, Papua New Guinea, and then Adelaide. Wow. So was that Mm. because Dad was in the military or something? Dad worked for Shell Petroleum. Yeah, right. And um, they'd come over from England and travelled all around Australia. So we had quite um, an interesting childhood, you know, wearing shoes coming back to Adelaide and having to wear shoes when Papua New Guinea you didn't wear any shoes and it was too hot and you wore minimal clothing and we had a mango tree in the front garden and it was rain every afternoon because we were in the on the equator so coming back to Adelaide was quite a shock for me it sounds idyllic Well, there was wonderful memories, but mine was always a map of what food I ate and where I was. And so, you know, my first bacon sandwich was on a swing in Papua New Guinea. Is that so? You remember <laughs> food? You recall food to place? Yeah, oh absolutely. My God, you're always going to be a chef. Uh, well, it's better than a pub, hey? <laughs> yeah, I agree. But was there someone in your family that was? Um, I guess, inspiring you with food at that age? Uh, My mum is an absolutely wonderful cook, beautiful food, 
very adventurous um, and educated us too. And it was about nutrition as well. You know, it wasn't just to eat a lot of bad food. We never had Coca-Cola. We never had, but we had bottles of Rockford, boxes of Rockford wine, you know, stashed everywhere under every cupboard. So we always had great food and wine. And we did try growing a lot of stuff as well. Um, but you know, the central market was a visit every Friday and we'd always buy fresh fish and... And it still is for you. Yeah, it is. And it's still, <laughs> that's it. We're only just around the corner. Yeah, well, we can see it from the hotel. It's <laughs> bizarre. It. So mum, mum and dad are both from Adelaide originally? Um, both English. Yeah, right. Yeah, and wanted to come over for find a better life. Mm. And, you know, four children later, um, we all stayed, pretty much stayed in Adelaide. You know, we all love the city. It's beautiful. Um, climate and mm. um, produce has just grown over the hills mm. um, great wine region and the opportunity to succeed job wise was always here I didn't really need I did go and live in work in London for a while mm. but Adelaide really I've had four big bites of the cherry you know I've been very fortunate to succeed well one thing I noticed about you when I met you was you were definitely an ambassador for Adelaide food was for mm. South Australian food like um, I mean agritourism and farm to plate and all those things are very trendy right now and mm. it's a good I'm, I think it's a really good trend because we need to be more sustainable but something I noticed about you is you uh, have been living your life like that and mm. I can see why now from day one but in your working career that was the first thing that you would bring to the table excuse the pun so when you um, decided to become a chef was that at a like teenage years what, what was mm. going on there yeah, you know, in high school they say, right, choose three um, professions. You know, which way do you want to go? Have a have a think and do work experience and go off and see. And I actually thought I'd be a zoologist. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I went and worked at the zoo and I shoveled an awful lot of camel poo and yeah. hippo poo and I saw the polar bear and, you know, and then I thought, well, I need to be very academic and get really good marks to do. And I just didn't think I was going to do that. Yeah. But I never actually realised that my hobby, which was cooking and gardening, was actually going to make a career out of it. But I was really fortunate. It was something that I really loved doing. Cooked all the time at home with mum. Enjoyed every weekend baking or um, preparing meals or doing barbecues or just I'd like to be wow. involved. Yeah. And then grow the strawberries. Yeah. And, you know, I sort of really... Chefs always end up enjoying growing things as well. Yeah. Um, so were you guys in the Adelaide Hills? Where were you guys living? Uh, no, just um, Tech Tree Gully. Yeah, right. So pretty close to... You sort of have a lovely view of um, Mount Lofty and all that. So, but you, but you have you always had a kitchen garden somewhere. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And even then, you know, in later years when you move out of home and you get yourself a, a flat and you've got a balcony, you've got a tomato plant yeah. or you something. You can't not have yeah, local growing. produce around yeah. you, or you can't breathe. I can imagine. <laughs> so, so when you um, decided to become a chef, what was one of the first places that you thought I've got my eye on here? To work. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, I started in a Spanish restaurant. Oh wow! And I did good my, grounding. I know, very good. Gamba Sala Plancha and Where Paella. Was that? It was a fantastic Spanish restaurant on Unley Road. So my first year was learning Spanish food, and you know what a great way to learn a new yes, culture. Yes. And um, the four owners were very generous, and we ate and drank well, and we worked really hard. But it was an education because it was a different flavour and a different you know culture to learn a different palette and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it and then I was really fortunate to pick up an apprenticeship with um, a local entrepreneur a guy called Bill Spar and he had five or six restaurants at the time and how long ago are we talking about 
we're talking well I've been in the industry 40 years and you, you look about 35 anyway <laughs> yeah. it's all from hard work <laughs> um, and he had all these amazing restaurants and so that was a really good education five restaurants in Adelaide yeah wow yeah. Windy Point and and a few others one of them one of them is still going um, and so he was a really good education mm. you know so that was a wonderful opportunity so I had really really good grounding and I'd learned a few different cultures and you know it was influenced by my mum and the produce was pretty local and we had great but you didn't even leave home to get any of that no like usually you go oh, I went over to Barcelona and I did mm. blah 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 you actually had it all mm. in that and that that I really like that because that is Adelaide mm. you there was a Spanish restaurant down there there's a dude doing favorite restaurants over here mum had the kitchen garden that actually is really representative of South Australia mm. your little mm. journey there yeah I, I really loved um that every apprenticeship wage that came in was spent eating in different restaurants so I managed to see what was going on in Adelaide so that was my education mm. so I lived around the corner from Nettie's which was Chong Lu's oh, original wow. restaurant so I'd blow my wages once a week and go and eat there and How I can 30 years ago yeah wow it was so fantastic my point of the intro on this that South Australia always had it going on <laughs> just really quietly like marinating away in the background mm. and there was great you know great talent here that went yeah. off to Sydney and mm. um, I mean Luke Cathraptus did Mecca and Mazares and it was beautiful Greek food um, and then you had Possum's restaurant and Michael had that and that was amazing what's Possum's about? that Possum's was uh, Michael Vermard he had I can remember I had a fettuccine dish with fresh tomato and basil and, and black mussels oh, in wow. there I, I still remember what I ate and Anne Oliver had Mistress Augustine's and, and there was some really really clever some real talent came out of Adelaide in mm. those days mm. and then the guest chef would come in and at the Botanic Dining Room, as it was back then. Well, this is where you were very connected, mm. Botanic. The Botanic Dining Room had Tony Bilson and yeah. Gay Bilson yeah. had Barara Waters and they came over and did this dinner. And my mum and dad are so into food and wine, so we all went. Yeah. So, you know, my whole, you know, my family ate out all the time. So really, wow. you know, it was... It was is Botanic... Um, you owned a restaurant as well. I had Urban. Was that near Botanic? Where was um, that? Just on the fringe of the parklands. Yes, yeah. And um, it was um, 12 years, uh, really, to succeed 12 years in Adelaide in a restaurant. In, anyway. And worked really, really hard for Husband it. Husband and wife team, wasn't it? Absolutely. Was, have I just missed the Hilton there? Um, Hilton um, was when I got back from England, yeah. But so I, did, I did 15 years at the Hilton. Before Urban? Yeah. Okay, I jumped ahead because I got excited about Botanic there. Because I thought <laughs> there might have been some inspiration for you to open Urban from that. Sounds mm, like there's a bit mm, of a mm. garden botanical thing going on there. Um, <laughs> going back there, so you had um, experience. Isn't that great that your mum and dad took you out mm. to these restaurants and introduce you to, to the Bilsons of the world like mm. and you probably didn't even really think about it hey you were just like mm. oh with my name Bethany yeah I was named after the little township in <laughs> Tanunda. my mum was reading about the wine growing area when she was in Alice Springs wow she was reading about this place the Brossa Valley in Adelaide and there's a little township called Bethany and she loved the book Little Women with Meg wow. Beth and Joe. Wow. and she said if I have three daughters I'll call them Meg Beth and Joe. that's it that's what happened so I'm a Beth but it's a Bethany and yeah. and there's a Megan but somehow we got an Andrea, but anyway. <laughs> so only three girls in the family? And one boy. One boy, right. Um, so you're introduced to really good food through mm. mum and dad because they, they source it out when they obviously moved back to Adelaide. And then what are you thinking for yourself? Okay, you've got you've done your Spanish training. You've gone into the five... You, you, were you across the five restaurants as well when you were working? Yep, yep. 
and then you're thinking what's my next leap Mm. that's right I had a really good education I was really fortunate to work with really clever people Mm. Regency Park College where we did our training was at the forefront in Australia at the time Mm. Um, and the lecturers were very generous with their time you know they were really good people and they were pretty you know hard taskmasters but when I look back I think wow you know we got given an amazing education by these these guys. Are are chefs these days getting that? Um, It has changed a lot it has but there is a big push to change that and to go back to what it was because it wasn't broken. That's right. So how do you end up being Australia's first executive Chef, I don't even like saying this because we're not man, woman. We're all stardust. We have to say it because particularly back then, that would have been a really quite a quite a accolade or even mm. bloody challenge. Let's face it. How do you get to be Australia's first executive chef in the Hilton Group? I know. Well, I had spent eight years working my way up the ladder, mm-hmm. so I understood how the operation worked. Mm-hmm. Then, in a um, male-dominated industry at the time, that was I was the first female in the kitchen. So, and there were seventy chefs in the kitchen. It was the only international hotel in the city, mm. and it was pretty Germanic and it was a pretty tough environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just sort of kept my head down and just kept learning. And you know, we had an uh, an artist who did ice carvings and sculptures. And... <laughs> oh, they were the days. Oh, I know. Oh, <laughs> gosh, weren't they the days? And... We used to sort of go cheesy, but now we go, oh, bring those back. <laughs> Um, and we had a baker who did the most beautiful <laughs> sourdough back then and walnut bread and um, the patisserie department was just brilliant and we're still friends to this day, my um, chef patissier, Mr Ernst Schutt. You strike me as someone that would still be friends with all of them. I just, yeah. we were downstairs and we ran into one of your sous chef, was it? Yeah, he was a sous chef at the I just Hilton. feel like you yeah. are the sort of person that once you have a team and yeah, yeah. you're very, I imagine you kind of we have a very loyal base here we all look after each other and we're all we're all friends at the end of the day we yeah all try and help you help each, each other out yeah, yeah we do so when you became the exec chef because that's like you, you you're across a lot of different departments mm. so were you out of the kitchen then and more sort of in the paperwork side of things because this is one of the things that exec chefs always go i'm no longer cooking yeah i still had um, I was still in the kitchen every day, yeah. but a portion of that time would be in admin and organising and, and handpicking the right people for your team. Some, yeah. of, them, some of them weren't qualified, um, but they could cook beautifully and they were local and they weren't an import, and so yeah. we were trying to support local. So they were cooks? Some of them were cooks. Yeah. You know, some of them were qualified chefs, um, but it was all about their attitude and they were capable and we took on some wonderful... I mean, we decided that the Grange just wasn't going to make any money yeah. and we needed to put someone in there who was amazing, who could drive it, and we took Chong out of Regency Park College wow. and put him in there and it blossomed and Chong created his own style and it was just a massive that, success. How long was Chong there for? Oh, for quite a few years, really. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, no, he did an amazing job. Wow. And we all learned, and he cooks beautifully. His mm. flavours are just amazing. Mm. And in that time, you know, we had lots of guest chefs, and so we all kind of got educated by all those guest chefs that come over from, you know, your Neil Perry's and your mm. um, Stefano Manfredi was just truly amazing. Um, we all learnt a lot from them. It was an education. And it was a skills trainer training us. Mm. So after I'd had this amazing education, that's when I went on to do my own restaurant. But being a f- So first, how long was it the Hilton um, for? All up 15 years, Hilton. Yeah, that's, a ma- that's like yeah. a triple apprenticeship, isn't it? Oh, it was. Mm. You know, and I was trained by internationals as well. So that was, you know, a great thing. And to become the first female, not only did you have to just cook well, 
you also had to manage a team and you had to manage a business mm. and I always had a business head mm. and I was always kind and I was never going to be a you know, mm. you know a hard person to work with I really wanted to grow a team mm. um, and I understood the market and Adelaide is very price sensitive and so you know that was to my benefit you know that I was in the right place at the right time working with a amazing management team as well you had the resources and the support behind you absolutely so something that um you just mentioned then so you're a team player but when mm. I first when I first met you at the Mayfair because we're fast forwarding so mm. when you left Hilton where did you go oh you had Urban no? yeah Urban yeah mm. I'll go back there in a minute because um, that's a husband and wife um, mm. restaurant and, and a good team there too and a fantastic name but when I met you at the Mayfair like you to me you're a very um you you're very feminine you dress really gorgeous and you've got you really you look after your, your appearance and who you are as a person but you've got this kind softness to you and I was watching the delicate way that your team there was a lot of women in your team at Mayfair when I was there I'm sure there's men as well but your team was just so um connected cohesive dainty I don't mean that in a like male female way there was just a real dainty um polished way that you were serving and just the desserts and the 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 bees you know you will definitely touch on the bees here um but I I wondered how you um keep that style in such a male dominated industry prior to being at somewhere like Mayfair how do you go with all the I mean I've owned a restaurant myself so I've worked with some Loved them, though it was very male. I had one female chef, um, and I'm a swearer from way back, so I can <laughs> punch up out the front of the pub with the best of them. But, um, you know, they, the swearing and all that didn't bother me. But how did you kind of get through sort of some of the sex, drugs and rock and roll that was brought into the kitchen? Uh, just choosing the right people, you know. It was about their capabilities, and they had to be, had to fit in, it had to be harmonious. So you're choosing a character as well as a as a wonderful. So attitude. check your ego at the door. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. and none of us are on a pedestal. Yeah. All of us are grounded, and um, yeah. you know, really, just take the stress out of everything. Just focus on cooking good food. Don't worry, yeah. I'll fix up all the other stuff that interferes in a kitchen where you just can't get on with your work. Yeah. Because you've got enough work to do as it is, and it's hard work. So if I can take care of that and take the pressure off of everyone else and they can just focus on the product and being productive and efficient mm. and cooking a great product mm. and drive it mm. I'm there to support you and I I'll... would you actually say those words yeah yeah, yeah. that would yeah. make you feel so calm yeah because they're artists aren't they they're creatives mm. Mm. so they're gonna have a whole lot of stuff going on but you obviously what that tells me is you knew um, if you gave them the calm uh, platform to create they would give you their best mm. and and they did and you know they were with me um, <clears throat> Hayley was my sous chef at yeah, the Mayfair she's yeah. from day one mm. and Harry Cialis is lovely used to work for my husband as well um, Nelia worked for me at the Hilton and she came on board um, but the key, all those key people we were there the whole time right to the very end mm. um, or until I, I moved on I've left Hayley there and I've left a really God, good structure God there would have been bloody tears that day was there I was <laughs> Oh, not sorry. just from you. I'm not talking oh. from you. I'm talking from the team. Uh, I tried not to. I just said, "That's it. I'm not going to cry today," because I want to say thank you. But it was mm-hmm. really hard. But um, we all still message each other and we still help each other. And yeah. and I've got, oh, look, I've seen this inspiration thing on how wonderful is this on Crute thing and I've sent it off to Hayley. Gorgeous. You know, like so has she stepped up into her role? Yeah, yeah. yeah so, wow. And I've helped her a little bit. Fantastic. So, But she's done very well. She's worked very hard and mm. well done to her to get there. Yeah, isn't that nice when you can um, yeah. 
watch that as well. It's a nice succession plan and it it works out. So we've kind of missed Urban and Spencer Mm. because, like, he's a chef. So so do you guys meet in the kitchen? This is your husband? Yes, he was my exec chef at Windy Point. Right. And when I worked there for Bill Spa. And and then sort of years down the track, we sort of crossed paths and it was, you know, it was on. Sparks were flying. That was it. And it was, (laughs) there you go. And then... um, uh, Sparks weren't flying in the kitchen for you. (laughs) Well, we did have a bit of a... It was hard with Urban because we... I was in charge and he was in charge. Yeah, right. So then I let him... How does that work? I let him be in charge. Yeah. You can do all the hard stuff. Yeah. I'll just do all the cooking. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. So he was... Um, you were both chefing? Yeah. And no one was front of house? It was just... No, no. We did have a lovely lady called Sally. Oh, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. either of you no. two didn't jump? Because sometimes that happens where they, yeah. the chef comes out. Yeah. yeah. So you were both creating menus and cooking together yeah. for seven successful years. Twelve. Twelve successful Twelve. years. Wow. You didn't throw any fry pans at each other? Oh, uh, we had a few moments. <laughs> I love it. That is such a cool story. And... So further to that, um, you Urban get sold or moves so on? Urban we closed Urban after twelve years, and that's when I went to Mayfair. Yeah. yeah. So we've touched on Mayfair a little bit, but just just talk about bees for a second because mm. we are going to end this podcast with absolutely you're meant to be exactly where you are right now, which is working in aged care. Mm. Um, you probably didn't know this this time last year. No. This is the good part of the story. Um, but before we move over there, you, I'm, I've always, I, when I think of you, I think of you as um, bees. The crazy bee lady. I just think of you as beautiful bees on the top of the rooftop at Mayfair. And I, I wrote a couple of stories about this, how the bee, the honey, because you described it to me, you like to drip the honey the whole way through the That's... floors of the hotel to the basement um, restaurant. Mm. And you were saying it's threaded in the breakfast, it's in the cocktails. And the way you described that, I had this, I'm a visual person, this visual of the honey dripping through the whole hotel. But you were the one caretaking them on the road. I was, I was. So tell me about your love of bees. Well, it was my hobby. There was um, an orange orchard below our family home and they had 12 beehives and we'd go down there and try and nick the honey and get stung and become allergic to bees but I've always been fascinated by bees I understand the pollination and I thought you know about sustainability um we're at the you know chefs are at the end user of the product so what can we do to help sustainability and it was pollination is everything without bees we die we die so it's so important to have bees and and I thought well why not have our own beehives and that's our contribution to the environment and so and obviously the, the team at Mayfair were behind you when you said, I want to put a bee, beehive up, yeah. urban beehive yeah, yeah. on the roof. Oh, absolutely. And it's marketing gold because we're actually opposite Beehive Corner, which is this historic building right on the corner of the Brundle Mall in the opposite Mayfair Hotel. Mm. And um, and then you can you know, you can have your own jars of honey mm. to give as Take a gift yep. because you made it yourself. Mm. Mm. Um, and... At, at, then it's obviously in all the food mm-hmm. and it's healthy and it's raw and it's not heat treated and it's got all the goodness in it. Lots of photos of you in beekeeping gear. Yeah, looking well. like an astronaut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so so you've continued that on home now. You've got bees at home. Yeah, I've always had a beehive at home, so I've kept that going. And I'm just weighing up whether I should do beehives for aged care. Yes, okay, perfect segue into aged care. So last year this, this global pandemic happened and it particularly hit um, hospitality, tourism and the creative industries really hard. 
uh, performers and I'm over here with WOMAD at the moment like going to see um, Tasha Sultana and a couple of amazing artists tonight perform and I can only just imagine how they feel to be performing to a seated crowd but nonetheless a crowd. So industries like ours um, got smashed last year and through that being in an international global hotel you obviously had to realign what you were going to do, going to do that's, with your life. That's right you know I did we all stopped and jumped off the world for a bit and um, the whole world had a bit of a holiday which was which was lovely you know to stop for a while but international travel and that sort of dollar mm. in in hotels is key for survival um, and basically it's flat it's it's surviving like all hotels are all just surviving now and mm. some of them are doing a bit better than others but you know there wasn't a lot of future left and I had got it right and set it up properly and really how many years were you at the Mayfair for? Um, nearly seven. Yeah. In good, the, good innings. Yeah, and I'd worked incredibly hard and loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah. Loved the people, loved what I created. I was really proud of everything I'd learnt from restaurants and hotels. All Beautiful. Came, came together for that boutique hotel. Just, just on that, um, describe, um, it's a basement restaurant. Mm. Um, describe a lower le- level. Mayflower. Just, Describe um, what you were trying to do at Mayfair. So everyone was doing very modern food and it was really... Fusion. <laughs> yeah, and I just said, I, like, I can't be an Italian restaurant because I'm not Italian. Mm-hmm. And it's in a basement of a hotel in Adelaide and that's a sure bet it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't be Spanish and I was, don't know if I'm about to put a seafood restaurant. And I looked at the outside of the building and it's really a classic... Mm-hmm. It looks like a Fifth Avenue hotel. Mm-hmm. It's a classic mm-hmm. facade. And I said, well, we'll just go back to classics. And we'll do the opposite to what everyone else is doing. We'll do prawn cocktails and beef wellington mm. and shoe swans. And we'll just go with all the classics. And that concept is timeless. Beautiful steaks. And it's really mm. quality produce. It's quarantine. Kept you know? simple. Yeah. Just really yeah. keep it simple. Mm. But the quality of the pro- produce is everything. And so and that's... desserts were obviously like... like yeah. I mean, I'm a dessert, I'd have dessert for Maine. But one thing I remember about Mayfair was just... just wicked dessert trolley I know around oh, it's so around. gorgeous I know <laughs> and it's visual and our dessert sales in most restaurants yeah dessert sales are 15 20 percent if yeah. you're lucky yeah our dessert sales were 70 percent yes I know it was oh, such so they, a you know you'd see it main meals. you say oh no oh look that's nice or maybe I'll have one or maybe I'll have oh, two no, no. so yeah no you presented that amazingly so I just wanted to touch on Mayfair's um, concept because I really loved it and I'd been around a lot of fusion but by the time I got there I was like oh god here's a Nice, honest, home-cooked meal yeah. is how it felt with yeah. a little bit of decadent English yeah. sort of style to it. So you decide after the, the rejig of the world, mm. um, how do you decide to go into aged care? Well, it was actually a friend that, um, you know, we went out for lunch during um, just after the COVID thing and um, he said, oh, look, there's a wonderful opportunity in aged care would you be interested and I, I wasn't really looking you know I was happy to sit tight and have a bit of a holiday and it's kind of going nowhere I need to be busy I was kind of a bit bored to be honest mm. you know I need to be doing more than a few hours a week mm. um, and and I said oh, I'd, I'd look at it and what could I possibly do I don't understand that side of the industry it'd be a lot for me to learn but then everything I saw during COVID was aged care all gets yeah. thrown in one basket and yeah. it's all bad and it's everyone doesn't get fed properly and it's all shit mm. and it's not mm. true mm. and you know there are great restaurants and there's shit restaurants mm. and there's great electricians and there's pretty poor electricians mm. and it's the same in aged care mm-hmm. and yes there's a royal commission and Maggie Beer has drawn a line in the sand mm. which is wonderful she's at the top working with government 
um, to, to make other changes. And I'm coming in underneath, underpinning it to draw a line around kitchens and give it more capabilities and more skills with proper technicians and create our own training programs. And um, I've just opened a, an a la carte restaurant so that, you know, it's, it's a game changer. And we're employing chefs. So you're working with uh, Adelaide Company? Yeah, so it's called Life Care. Yeah. And they have five properties mm-hmm. across the state. Not for profit? Non for profit. Yeah. Very credible. Um, they do an amazing job and I'm just going to make it even better. Um, and so that's my mantra is to just cook home style food and do it beautifully. So they probably tick the boxes of lifestyle and wellness because, and, yeah. you know, they think about that in aged care. But do you feel as though... Um, I had a friend, a chef, Spanish chef, working in another group in aged care, and he noticed because Spanish is so about like family and whole whole food, mm. um, without having to have the labels, and he just was going crazy. He went, I cannot believe what the people are eating here; it's crazy. And he went to the manager, and it was all budget focused. This is on the other side of Australia, um, and he just, I don't care, I don't care, you know, screw your budget. I'm going to go, and I'm going to give them a roast dinner lunch and it was yeah. it was just that I would never give this to my grandmother my grandfather and so he just would refuse right and so he got the budget down I think he ended up uh, letting go of all the chefs in the kitchen he did it on his own he cooked them a big lamb and he said he has never seen these people all came alive stood up came to the kitchen and thanked him for arresting oh, but that's so a Spanish wonderful. culture he goes we would never they, they their, their elders live with them Firstly, secondly, they wouldn't put them into a home and then not feed them something good. Mm. So he couldn't. He'd never seen like um, dead potato or whatever it is. Yeah. Like he'd never seen any of that, right? But he said he cleaned it all up. Um, felt like you inspired, but got the budget down. So did you find there was a budget constraint in that sense, or did you feel like you had an open oh, the, kitchen? They've. Um, it's not just about budget. I mean, every operation has a budget for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and they've got to keep within certain parameters. I'm, they're very generous with me. So, yeah. you know, they're eating fresh salmon. Um, we're having roast beef with Yorkshire pudding. Um, you know, it's the product's great. I'm wow. using the same suppliers that I was using at the Mayfair. Mm. So the quality... It's the same food. It's the same Oh, actually, you did product. say that these are some of the clients that would have been visiting you for many, many years. Oh, well, you know, a lot of them have eaten at Urban Bistro mm. and I'm walking through some of the um, homes and I've got people who are saying, oh, I had the ricotta hotcakes at your um, restaurant and I had the most amazing meal and people bump into... And I have to tell you this story. On my first day in the um, at Life Care, I saw my chef... He was my lecturer oh. and he was the head of Regency Park College and he's at one of our homes as Mr. Brian Laws. He was the most unbelievable, kind, beautiful lecturer. Oh, that makes me And cry. now I get to look after him and he supported me. Did he walk past me. you and say bear? I, we walked past each other and I stopped and turned around and went, oh my God, chef, it's you. Oh God, he would have had the best day ever. Oh, the biggest golden smile you've ever he seen. He said, are you cooking him? Yeah. <laughs> you like, are you here? Well, I said, can you try out this um, creme caramel I've made, especially oh, for you? No. And, um, oh, And so he gorgeous. ate it, and I stood there and I waited and I waited, and I said, so what do I get out of 10? And he went, I'll give you an 8. And I went, oh, you've still got it, Brian. I love you. I love <laughs> you. to move there, Beth. to move. <laughs> oh, so that straight away tells me that your oh. heart sings when you go in there. Oh, it's just, you, you can actually make a difference. Um, and it's very, very important. And I'm thinking, well, you know, family members and, and this amazing amount of people I've already 
met in some of the homes who are all friends and family who are, you know, June's dad is at Ranella and um, Melanie's um, dad is at Gaines Park Manor and it's surprising just how many people, um, you'd be surprised how many people, quite well-known people in Australia, their parents uh, with life care, it's premium. Wow. It's beautiful and now that we've opened the other one, um, next door, which is assisted living, um, they can book in for lunch and dinner, bring family With and family. friends. Oh, and there's much. a there's an a la carte menu. You can choose your and we'll cook it live. And live, I did hear you say some South Australian wines every now and then. I know there's a wonderful um, bar. It's all set up and they're buying bottles of wine because you know the older of the baby boomers are now going into aged care yeah. and they've eaten well. They've travelled. Mm-hmm. They've eaten in Michelin they star restaurants. Like your mum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful food and they're very adventurous. They like coriander. They like chili they love grilled octopus they love you know love everything they'll eat a risotto they'll eat a braised lamb and so really to create really good food you need really good skills yeah and you need a really respectful company who's prepared to invest yep. into that yeah and i have an amazing and a consumer s- that understands and a consumer who appreciates and just it. because they're old doesn't mean like pepe was classic with that it's like we look after our old mm. like that is what we do and yeah. I feel really, um, I feel secure now that Maggie's mm. dealing with the governance yes. of the top. <laughs> yes. You're, de- you're not dealing with the bottom. You, you are very, the most humble chef I think I've ever met. I've met a lot of them. Um, you're dealing gra- grassroots. And Pepe's in the middle going, yeah, yeah, you need to be more nice to the people, <laughs> which is culture. So I think um, you like you and Maggie together, the bookends of this incredible aged care, it makes me actually want to get old. Because it's pretty scary where we sit Just to think. Come and grow um, disgracefully old with me. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I'm checking in where you are, sister, completely. I have a dear friend over who works with um, Ferros Care, which is another amazing group, um, came out of Byron, that's age care. And she does, oh, we were with her last week actually, they do slam poetry and street art on, on, you know, on the corners and they're at the Byron Writers Festival. Incredible stuff that she's doing, working with them, you know, performing. And she was saying to me, we went to a premiere actually of a director, an older director, he's 90 years old, and he was, one day she was filming marketing-wise, and he was trying, excuse me, and he's like, she's like, sit, yeah, come on, let's call him Bert, just sit down, Bert, like, I'm doing some, a brochure. Anyway, and in the end she thought, oh, you know, I better see what Bert wanted, and she went over there, and she's like, he's like, you know, I used to work with Fred Astaire, and Ginger Rogers, and she's like, oh, shit, so she sat with Bert. Bert for a while and chatted, his name's not Bert. And last week he premiered, she got to the point where she got him to write and direct his own film and he premiered for oh. all of his aged care. That is so marvellous. the red carpet and wow. watched it. Wow. And I he love had it. the whole director's chair oh. going and he was living again because and I yeah. think, oh my god, if you've got that people is like so that special. I know, but these are the stories we need to talk about because well, we smash aged care in this oh, country. Oh and you know, some of the stories have been so wonderful. I was actually saying to my mum, they're more interesting than talking to the young people because yeah. they've yeah. got such wonderful stories. One lady um said to me, uh, what do you do? And I went, Well, I'm wearing a chef's jacket. I'm a chef. <laughs> she goes, Oh, that's good. I said, So what did you used to do? What sort of work do you and she said I worked at John Martin's, which was this um, retail, big retail store uh, in here in Adelaide, and I was the lift operator. Oh wow! And, and I said, "Oh, so you did the old socks, jocks, and Reeboks on You're the like first going floor?" Down. And she would say, 
and no it was millinery haberdashery whatever it was and I went oh wow how wonderful she said but I met a famous person once and I went who was that she said oh you you wouldn't know you're too young um but they held the lift the general manager bought the VIP and the lift was only for this one person and she was a Hollywood movie star her name was Vivian Lee no way I was like wow gone with the wit I know who I was just I was in Ashley Ashley oh my god so the stories that they have you've got to spend the time absolutely and don't you want that to happen like you and I are spending the time today doing a little bit of storytelling but imagine like Bethany Finn and Kylie Mitchell Smith are going to be older one day and we've got some good knowledge to pass on and that is what the indigenous do incredibly well the respect for their elders and the knowledge they pass down is just a given and I feel like we as the whiteies of this country can get a lot better at it so with people like Maggie and you working in that makes me feel really um warm and fuzzy do you Maggie like call each other and check in uh seriously she's been a wonderful supporter and she's rung me up and she said oh thank god they've got the smarts to employ you and I was like oh thanks Maggie and she's just so so lovely Mm, and and, yeah very supportive and um you know if there's things I can do to help out I certainly will I feel like you're going to be here for at least a decade Mm. this is going to I feel I just had a vision that you're going to be here until you actually end up in one homes <laughs> i'll be happy because yeah. then the staff can look after me absolutely <laughs> she's got the presidential suite straight to the top now beautiful story love love your um essence as a woman you are a strong kind um you know we don't need to be i am woman hear me raw we do, you're just a kind strong woman um who yeah is really credible in her own in her own space so well done to you oh thank you more than welcome and what um i want to know who and where inspires you so this podcast is about a people and a place people a person Mm. and a place so who inspires you it can be a group of and a place Mm. well i mean it's easy to say that your mother inspires you um not for everybody yours actually really does yeah she she is a very kind person who's very measured um, I probably take inspiration from all the people I actually work with. I think I learn from them. Um, uh, and I'm really good at picking good characters, like, you know, finding Chong and finding Tony and finding... Yeah, well, you know, Tony's the, just I on know, Tony. He's... Um, and Hayley. And a general all, manager now. A manager, yeah. yeah operations manager. So, yeah. I mean, there's all these key people. Um, and I've learned from everybody. So to say just a person, I probably... You know, my auntie in England made this beautiful chocolate cake and she dipped, <laughs> dipped these rose leaves in chocolate and then peeled the leaf off and had all these rose leaves <laughs> all over this chocolate cake. And I was like, oh, I had a moment and a hullet and a little Is that mum, mum and sister? Is that mum's sister? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sound pretty amazing with food. So, you know, I've had these inspirational moments everywhere and mm. I just capture them and I just don't forget them. Yeah, I love that. Um, so uh, a place, well... An inspiring place. Um, I kind of like just being at the beach yeah. and just like tuning out and just listening to those waves. That's my happy place. Mm-hmm. I can just lay there all day. Ocean's and good. Drift in and out, mm-hmm. um, and I need that downtime sometimes because I wear myself out otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like being up in the hills and bushwalking. Mm-hmm. So nature. I, lo- I like nature. And something I know about you as well, which I really respect, is South Australia is such in your heart. Like, you are so patriotic to your state. I've come over here for a bit of time out with a bestie, catch up with you, catch up at WOMAD, and I've just explored it again. I've been here so many times. I used to drive here from Melbourne when we were younger. 
but this time I went to Kangaroo Island. This time I went um, beautiful over to up to the hills again to check out what's going on there. And I'm so inspired by the, you know, the the eat local mm. scene that has always been here. Mm, mm. Like it's got a brand now and a logo, but it's just got even better. It has, um, and to be able to support that and be recognised. And um, last Sunday. They mentioned oh. it in the paper, and I got International voted. Women's Day. International, and I got an award. Well, um, voted in, um, but along with obviously um, dozens of other very, very clever women. Tell me who. And oh well, Nicole Spurrier um, took out Woman of the Year, who did an amazing job. Who's um, the uh, chief medical officer, and obviously took us through the pandemic, and it was it was wonderful. And she rocks that grey hair, unbelievable. <laughs> She's fantastic. Can I just say there's a few others in other states that could do a little bit of a makeover? <laughs> just saying, but Nicole could drive. Nicole, that. Um, well done to her. <laughs> I and did I was notice very, that about her. I was yeah. very fortunate to be uh-huh. in that lineup, and um, and it was just nice to be recognised because I suppose being now into aged care, I can actually make a difference, um, and and possibly those people that supported me throughout my career I can actually support them and let's let's um, put it on the on the map you know now. what you're a finalist in that but you're a winner in my eyes and oh. you are such a delight to talk to I'm so glad I actually just flew all the way over to see you <laughs> thank you thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today and I can't wait to follow your journey um, through aged care thank let's you. grow all together we will thanks Kylie you're welcome ciao ciao